to 1 Samuel chapter 4. First Samuel chapter 4. And I will be very honest with you and upfront with you tonight. It's going to sound really sad for a moment. How many knows that weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. And we will get to the joy towards the end of this message tonight. 1 Samuel chapter 4, if you'll stand for the reading of God's Word in verse 10, is where we'll begin. Just to catch you up real quick, the Israelites are battling the Philistines. The Philistines beat them, and in their defeat, the Israelites did not pray or consult God, but decided on their own to go and fetch the Ark of the Covenant, which represents the presence of God, bring it into camp, and then take it into battle. That's what we're about to read. Verse 10, And the Philistines fought, and Israel was smitten. And they fled every man into his tent, and there was a very great slaughter. For there fell, for there fell of Israel thirty thousand footmen. And the ark of God, or the ark of the covenant, was taken. And the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phineas, were slain. And there ran a man of Benjamin, of the tribe of Benjamin, out of the army, out of the army. And came to Shiloh, that's where Eli was, the Phineas's and Hophni's father. That same day with his clothes rent and with the earth upon his head. And he came and, and, and lo, Eli sat on a seat by the wayside watching for his heart trembled for the Ark of the Covenant. He was worried about the Ark of the Covenant because it was gone. Eli was a high priest. It was his responsibility to take care of it. And when the man came into the city and told it, all the city cried out. And when Eli heard the noise and of the crying, he said, What meaneth the noise of this tumult or this mourning? And the man came and hastily told Eli, now Eli was 98 years old, and his eyes were dim that he could not see. And the man said to Eli, I am he that came out of the army, and I fled today out of the army. And he said, What is there done, my son? And the messenger answered and said, Israel is fled before the Philistines, and there hath been a great slaughter among the people. And thy sons, also Hophni and Phinehas, are dead. And the ark of God is taken. And it came to pass, when he made mention of the ark of God, that he fell back from off of his seat backward by the side of the gate and hit his neck 
and it, his neck broke, and he died, for he was an old man and heavy, and he had judged Israel forty years. Let us pray tonight, God. We thank you for your word and its anointing. And God, we ask that your word go forth and your spirit preach to us tonight. And we love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. And the church says amen. You may be seated. Very, very sad story we have here. And I'm going, I'm going to ask you to stay in 1 Samuel chapter 4. I'm going to read a few more verses for you in a moment. But we see that the children of Israel were engaged in battle, brought the Ark of Covenant the presence of God into the battle camp. And if you read in verses previous to this, there's a great cry in the camp of Israel, and they think that they, there's no reverence for the ark of God. Pastor, they see it almost as a, a, a good luck charm. Not, not reverencing the presence of God or the power of God, but seeing God as a magician or a butler that will... Give them what they need when they need it. And they cry out loud and, and they, they have this great shout and it's enough to get the Philistines' attention. And the Philistines are kind of concerned because they heard this great battle cry and morale starts to plummet in the Philistine camp. But someone in the Philistine army, an officer perhaps, begins to stand up and he begins to tell the Philistines to be quiet and to fight like men. They go into battle. 30,000 Israelis are slain. The Ark of the Covenant is gone. Eli the priest and his two sons, which were also priests, were killed. And they come back to Shiloh where the tabernacle was, the holding place of the Ark of the Covenant, where Eli the high priest was. And they begin to tell the town and they begin to tell the priest that there's been a great slaughter And that the ark was gone, Eli falls back, breaks his neck, and he's dead. But what's interesting about this story, as sad as it seems, is Eli was warned of this day. Eli was told that judgment was coming to his house. And, and I, I want to depict to you quite quickly, if I may, three generations. A generation is, if I'm not mistaken, biblically is 40 years. And Eli is an old man and his sons are the next generation. And we'll read of another generation here in a moment. But I want you to realize that Eli was not only a high priest the Bible tells us in 1 Samuel chapter 2 and verse 28 that Samuel was chosen, him and his tribe, the Levites, were chosen to be priests, to be God's ambassadors, to work in the temple and to work for the people of God. That I want you to realize that Eli, even though he was an old man, he was a man that was used in gifts and signs and wonders. 
You say, how is that? If you read in 1 Samuel chapter 1, you'll find that when Hannah, Samuel's mother, comes to the temple, she's been barren for years and years, and she's praying with such fervor that, that there's not even words coming out of her mouth, but her, her lips are moving, that, that Eli approaches her thinking that she's drunk, and she says, no, I'm just sorrowful because I want a son. And he speaks to her, and he says, go thy way. God, God is, to, to paraphrase here, God is going to, to let it be done to you. You will conceive. And not only that, that when, when Hannah comes and, and brings Samuel to live with Eli because she made a covenant and a promise with God that if God gave her a son that she would give him to the service of the Lord. She brings Samuel uh, and brings him to Eli and Eli accepts him to work into the temple and to learn uh, the life of a priest and to learn uh, how to hear God's voice and all these things. Is he, he prophesies again to her that she would be fruitful. And she goes on to have five other children. He's a man that's been used in powerful ways. And, and, and I, I just, I'm, I'm in teaching mode right now. I'm not in preaching mode right now. I just want you to, to understand where we're going. Is he was a man that was not only a priest, but he was a man that operated in a gift of miracles. But yet he was a man that could not restrain his children. He was a man that, that the Bible says in 1 Samuel chapter 2 and, and verse 29 that he was a man that chose his children over the presence and the power of God. You say, what, 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 do you, what do you mean? Do you, are you saying that we, we can't love our children and this and that? No, if you read here, and, and I'm going to get into Hophni and, and Phineas here in a moment, but he would not correct them. He was afraid to bring correction. And, and, and because he was afraid to bring correction, God sends a man of God in, in 2 Samuel chapter 2 and prophesies to him, listen, Samuel, because you have chose your children's sin over the holiness and the purity and the power of God, I'm going to bring judgment to your house. So we have that generation that, that knew the power of God, experienced the power of God, were used of God, but yet they had flaws. But if you go and you begin to study in the previous chapters about Hophni and Phinehas, that you'll begin to realize that they were a generation. They were young men that were born in the house of God. They were born to be priests of God. They were born to serve God. They were born to succeed their father, Eli, who was a high priest of God. But they were a generation that grew tired of tradition, that grew weary with holiness and purity. And Eli's sons uh, looked at the opportunities, the opportunities within the church uh, to help themselves uh, achieve their lustful uh, uh, imaginations uh, and to fulfill monetary gain. They were men that mishandled, if you will, the call of God, the people of God, the offerings of God, and the presence of God. 
Their father was a man of power. But they were men of pleasure. Their father was a man that for years, I believe, strived to live pure before God. But they were men of lustfulness and pride. They they had a father that desired righteousness, but they desired imperfection and immorality. But here is what's so sad about this portion of Scripture that I read to you tonight is that We've seen 30,000 men killed. We've seen the priest, uh, the priest's sons killed. We've seen uh, Eli fall backwards and die. But the rest of this chapter contains more death. And you say, where are you going with all? Just stay with me. Trust me. In verse 19 of 1 Samuel chapter 4, it says, and his daughter-in-law, talking about Eli's daughter-in-law, Phineas's wife was with child, near to be delivered. And when she heard the tidings uh, that the ark of God was taken and that her father-in-law and her husband were dead, she bowed herself and travailed, for her pains came upon her. She, she grieved to the point she put herself into labor. But here's what's sad is, and about the time of her death, she she was grieved to a point that it sent her into labor, but this labor would take her life. And about the time of her death, the women, the, the midwives that, that stood by her said unto her, Fear not, for thou hast borne a son. But she answered not. She wouldn't speak. Neither did she regard it. She didn't even want to hold her child. And the only thing she did speak was to name him. And she named the child Ichabod, saying the glory is departed from Israel because the ark of God was taken and because of her father-in-law and her husband. And she said the glory is departed from Israel and the ark of God is taken Very sombering portions of Scripture. Very sad. So grieved that she couldn't even hold her own child. And what I want you to realize is I believe these are generations of the church. We've seen Eli. We've talked about Hophni and Phinehas. But now... We're talking about Phineas' son, and they name him Ichabod. Because in their mind, in their religious mind, Sister Terry, it was over. The ark of God was gone. That meant the presence of God was gone. And there was no hope for their children. And she even says that it's because of my father-in-law and my, and my husband. It is the, the generations before. That, that, that is the reason, the mishandling, the misconduct. is why the glory has departed from Israel. 
And she speaks a declaration over a, a new generation that the glory has departed from them. Brother Dan, she declared over a generation that the presence of God would not dwell with them or upon them. The Bible tells us in Proverbs that there's life and death and the power of the tongue and this woman is dying on her deathbed. She's just given birth and some of her last words are to declare death, spiritual death over the next generation. And pastor, you have to understand and, and young people, you have to understand this was, this was big news. The Ark of the Covenant was gone. This was a big deal. The priest had been killed. The high priest has died. 30,000 men have been lost. This is headline news. Brother Chris, this, this tragedy would be something that everyone talked about. It would be the main story. It would be on the front page of the newspapers if they had them. It would be all over Facebook. It would be retweeted on Twitter. It would be reposted on Instagram. It, there would be commentaries and opinions given about the state of the nation on YouTube that would be uploaded. And there would be all these things that it's over. It's over. The presence of God is gone. There's been a great slaughter. There's been all this massacre and all, this, all these bad things. Things have seemed to befallen us. Uh, there, there's no hope for the next generation. But I begin to study and begin to discover that in a newspaper you have your headlines, your front page news. But there's something, there's something that they refer to in the news world as feelers. I want to preach the rest of this service on check the fillers. What are fillers, you may ask? You have your headlines. You have your big news. But the fillers are small little stories that are, are placed to fill up the page. You see, you have your, your major breaking news, your up-to-date coverage, all, all these things. But the, but the fillers, uh, Brother Keaton, the, the fillers are, are, are little, little segments of news that, that may not seem important at that time, but, but they're written all around the headlines. They're written all around the pictures and the documentation. They're, they're little stories of other news that's going on. And here's where I want to encourage you tonight because you realize that we're in a world uh, where you turn on the news and it's chaos, it's all over, our children have no hope. Uh, you, have, you have problems in school systems now, uh, trying to teach our children garbage. Uh, you, you have all the things going on in the Middle East. You have all the things going on at the southern border. You, you have all the things going on in the White House and, and in California and, and all over the place. There's, there's something going on. There's hurricanes in the south. 
mouth. There's, there's all these things, all this chaos, and, and that's all we hear. That's all we see. Our children see it on social media. We see it on the news. We hear about it at work. It's the talk of work. It's what everybody seems to be wanting to talk about and, and to focus on. But I want you to know if you would just check the fillers, if you would just touch, check the news stories that nobody's really talking about or noticing, you would realize that even in the midst of chaos, even in the midst of a dark time, even in the midst of turmoil and mourning in this nation and all these things, in the midst of all that, I want you to realize there is hope for a generation. There is hope for a church in this nation. There is hope. There are things happening that nobody wants to publish, that nobody wants to talk about. But I want to encourage you tonight to check the fillers. So what does that mean? How does that relate to this story? I want you to realize that while all these, these, this wicked stuff was going on, that there was a young man by the name of Samuel that was brought into this chaos, brought into this rebellion, brought into this judgment. He was in the midst of, of all of it. And the Bible tells us again and again that he grew in the Lord. Judgment was coming to, to, to places uh, and people of God and, and places of worship. Judgment was coming uh, upon this and that and that person for their unrighteousness and their immorality and their impurity. But in the midst of it all, there was a young man uh, that didn't have religion with God uh, but had relationship with God. Uh, and in the midst of all the headline news, uh, there was a little filler by the name of Samuel uh, that was growing in power, growing in relationship growing and anointing he was hearing from God he was talking with God he was speaking with authority he was growing up right he was living righteously he was living holy he was living with purity and power and all, all the world wants us to focus on is the headline news. I want you to realize that on Saturday night in this house, I saw young people stand on this platform, stand on that floor down there and declare the word of God and the testimony of God over their life. The Many of them testified, I was addicted, but now I'm set free. Listen, that's not headline news to the world. That's not what they want you to hear about. But I want to encourage you tonight. Check the fillers. There are things going on in the spiritual realm that you do not understand or see. But if you will dig in with God and begin to listen to the Spirit of God that is speaking in this hour, I will tell you, you will be encouraged because there is a generation that the glory has not departed from, but the glory is descending upon. That there are things that the this world will try to show us uh, to make us believe that there is no hope for these young people. But I want you to know what I saw here uh, on Saturday night uh, filled me with hope. Uh, why? Because I saw young people uh, that were Samuels, uh, that were growing in God, 
that had a relationship with God. They were growing amidst all the mess that they deal with at college, at work, and in high school and middle school. I saw a generation that the glory had not departed from. I don't care what anybody says about you young people. I don't care what this world thinks of the church. Here's what I know is there are headlines, but there are fillers. And my Bible tells me do not despise the small beginnings and the little things because I will tell you this, that there is a generation that is going to set at liberty them that are captive. They're going to operate with an anointing. They're going to, I'm preaching tonight. I want you to hear me. This was all front page news, but there was a generation that was growing amidst the chaos. Check the fillers. When did we believe the report of the enemy? Phineas' wife says, it's over. The ark of the covenant is gone. Why was that such a big deal to her? Yes, it represented the presence of God. But it was a symbol of their religion and their tradition. But I want you to notice here, you'll find uh, throughout the, the book of Samuel uh, and in 1 Samuel 2 uh, and 1 Samuel 3, we find a massive dialogue uh, between God and Samuel. Through all that, through all the mess, he was still growing. He was still flourishing. Why? Because he didn't have religion. He had relationship with God. He wasn't caught up in tradition. He was caught up in a love and a passion to serve God. You see, what I want you to understand here tonight is that many scholars will say that Samuel was between 12 and 17 years old when Hophni and Phinehas died and the ark was taken. And as I mentioned earlier, that a biblical generation, if they'll come to the music tonight, a biblical generation is 40 years. So when Phinehas' wife was speaking that over her child. She was also speaking it over Samuel's generation. At the most, they were 17 years apart in age. At the least, they were 12 years apart in age. She spoke that. Not just only over her children. But she was speaking that over Samuel's generation. And what's crazy is she was so caught up in her grief all she could realize is that I've lost, I've lost, I've lost. I've lost my father-in-law, I've lost my husband. I'm losing my life. You see, that's the problem with the Christian church today is we can't see past the headlines. 
I will tell you, and, and, and some of you may be upset at this. I can, I, I can tell you in, in many churches, thank God I don't, I, don't, I don't have to do that in this, but in many churches I can tell you what the preacher is going to preach on next Sunday by watching the news all week. And I'm not saying it's, it's wrong for us to know what's going on in the world. That's not what I'm saying. I believe it's, it's biblical to know the times and the season that you're in. But what has happened is we're so caught up in the headlines, Logan, that we preach headlines. And we don't realize that the world is dictating to us what we preach. Because all we see is the headlines. But I will tell you, there are some churches, I believe this church is one of them, believe wholeheartedly. But we like to look at the fillers. I saw the filler today. You said, what are you talking about? I sent a video to pastor. I sent a video to my wife. High school football team in Tennessee, they were having prayer services, a little prayer service after all their games. The school board said, they met and they said, listen, you can't do that. It's not allowed. You can't do that. After last Friday's game, their team, the visiting team, all the coaches and the parents flooded out of the stands at the end of the game and prayed anyway. But all we've heard all week is Biden this, border that, Afghanistan this. I'm not saying that those things aren't important. But if you get caught up in some of those, you'll, you'll end up like Phineas' wife and you have nothing good to say. But I thank God for Hannah's that, that while there was unjust things, there was wickedness going on in the temple, she, she might not even want to go to the temple because everyone knew that Hophni and, and Phinehas were wicked men. They were committing adultery in the house of God. They were, they were bargaining with offerings and sacrifices. They were wicked men, and, and she probably knew this, Brother Chris, but she still found herself uh, in, in the courts of the tabernacle and praying, saying, God, give me a generation. She's the church. Give me a generation. I've been barren too long. Give me a generation. you stand with me tonight her contract with God was give me a generation and I'll give them to you give me a generation God and I'll give them to you all that we seem to see in the text you see, that's why it's so important to read your Bible, young people, to know, parents alike, to know your Bible. Because just me reading that text, Brother Chris, it was bad. It was gloomy. 
And all you saw was the headlines. You didn't realize that there was a 12 or or 17-year-old, there was a teenager that during all this was flourishing and growing. And the Bible even says that people knew that he was a man of God. Check the fillers. We see death. We see sadness. We see error in this story. But you got to look at the fillers. Ichabod was proclaimed over a generation. But there was a teenager in that same generation that was getting a hold of God. He's hearing from God. He's becoming a voice of God. Religious people were saying, the Lord has departed. But there was a young man that had relationship. The headlines read, it's over. But the fillers said, there's hope. The headlines said, there's no hope. But the filler said is God is still speaking. The headline said that the enemy is out to kill, to steal, and destroy. But Jesus and the filler said, but I've come to give you life. To give it to you more abundantly. Young people hear me tonight. Youngest to the oldest, everyone hear me tonight. Listen, understand this. That the headlines may say, That there's no hope. But here's what the Word of God says. You are a chosen generation. You're a royal priesthood. You're a holy nation. You're a peculiar people. And that you should show forth the praises of Him that called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. I love the way the psalmist put it in Psalms 14. There were they in great fear. The enemy was in great fear. For God is in the generation of the righteous. She proclaimed death over a generation, spiritual death. But she had no idea that there was a righteous young man full of power and anointing. So I just want to encourage you tonight. All that, it didn't sound encouraging at the beginning, but I want you to take this this ending. Do not accept the doom and the gloom because you will find yourself living in the doom and gloom. I'll be honest. I've been there. I've been there as early as yesterday. Negativity tried to set in my mind. I texted my wife today and said, you know what, I'm sorry for being negative because all I'm reading is the headline Sister Debbie all I'm reading is the headline but if I would just check the fillers when I check the fillers I see young people that I'm so proud of I see a church I'm proud of and I see a community that needs to be changed. But there's hope. Every dark day, dark, gloomy, rainy day, 
because God still turns mourning into dancing, weeping into joy. Hey everybody, Pastor Ron, I pray that today's message and program has been just a great blessing to you. And I just uh, am so thankful that we had the privilege to come into your home today or wherever you may be watching. I would encourage you to uh, continue to follow us. We're on all of the major social media platforms. Uh, we have podcasts that you can follow us with. I would encourage you to reach out to us and let us know. Our information's on the screen. And uh, if we've been a blessing to you, please contact us. Let us know. And we look forward to sharing the word of the Lord with you again. Uh, next time, God bless you. We'll see you soon.